0: Welcome to Parsha's Mishpatim, where we will be discussing the Parsha in a way that relates to our practical life, gets in deep, and uplifts your week so you can go into Shabbos feeling like you really have some idea to share at the table, or at least some idea to share in your Neshamah, share in your heart, share in your soul, that will make you kind of feel like, you know, you got the Parsha a little bit. So let's jump right in. So... Mishpatim is a really cool Parsha, because I always thought it was just all about the laws, right? That's literally what Mishpatim means. It means laws, and the Parsha starts off Ve'ila Mishpatim, and these are the laws. Don't forget the Vav, we're going to talk about it in a second. But I always assumed it was just all about the laws, and don't get me wrong, there are a ton of laws, a ton of laws in this Parsha. But something I did not know, that I was so surprised to find out, is that In this Parsha, this is the Parsha where Moshe goes up for the 40 nights and the 40 days. I always thought that was in Yisro, because in Yisro, last week's Parsha, we knew that that was the whole Har Sinai situation, where we got the Aserah Sidibros, the Ten Commandments, and the whole big situation. But little do we know, little did I know, maybe you knew, that in Parsha's Mishpat, in the next Parsha, that's actually where it says that Hashem gave Moshe these sapphire blocks of purity, and the people and then Moshe went up the, to the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and he left the Jewish people in the care of Aaron and Chor I did not know that and that's what you get from just skimming through the text because wow oh my gosh it's so cool to feel a certain sense of ownership if you just read the English text of the Parsha each week in your stone chamesh or on Chabad.org and just scan, scan your eyes through everything that's actually going on in this Parsha because there is a lot there's so much there's the Ivri there's the slave and there's don't cook a kid in its mother's milk. And there's so many different things you could focus on. But I want to focus on three ideas that jumped out to me from this Parsha. And the first one has to do with the Vav that we mentioned two seconds earlier. V'elamishpatim. Mishpatim. Usually a Vav is a connection. It means that something is connected. And so what would it be connected to if it's the very first Parsha? Very first Pasuk in the Parsha. Ah, the va must be connecting to the previous partia. And we know this also because there's a concept called smichas partias, which are connections between partias. What is the connection? Why would this specific event be next to this? What? Why are these two parshas next to each other? What is there? What are we trying to learn from here? There's many, many examples of this. But the example from this week's parsha is even more blatant, even more important because of the vav. The vav is an explicit connection. It's not just saying, "Oh, I want you to assume there's shmichas parshas between the idea of mishpatim and the idea that's last mentioned in Yisro." No, I'm going to tell you. Hashem is saying, "I'm going to tell you, it is." directly correlated because there's a vav. We are starting with the vav. We are starting with the connection. So now the question comes, what is this connection? What is this connection that's so implicit? That's so obvious that Hashem had to even add the vav. So first let's think about mishpatim and then we're going to talk about what the last thing that was mentioned in Parshat Yisrael was and how that's connected to mishpatim. Mishpatim literally means loss as we mentioned. And in today, in America, in 2024, in Australia in 2024, living in this world in 2024, it is very... Hard to have actual mishpatim for many reasons. It's very hard to have actual laws that govern your life for a number of reasons. Number one, we are tapping into the energy of our intuitive feelings, our intuitive energy, how we are feeling in the moment, how we are identifying the moment. We're learning the fact that your mind creates the state of your reality. And although this is a good thing, <laughs> Every good thing comes with a negative side. The negative side of that is oh I don't feel like doing this today, so I'm not gonna do this. And <clears throat> in the world of black and white, in the world of Mishpatim, in the world of judgment, in the world of right and wrong, there are things you have to do regardless. And this is such an important idea that the Torah is teaching us. Mishpatim, Eilam Mishpatim, there Are laws. There is a right and a wrong, a way that this world is meant to work. And Hashem is saying, I'm going to tell you what those are. And that is what it means to live as a Jew. It means, yes, we want to tap into our intuitive feeling and we want to live as people who are aligned with our energy and how we're doing in the moment. And we want to do things that feel authentically right and aligned. But ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a right and a wrong, there's an ultimate truth. I happen to believe the most deep and powerful idea is that every single person has a piece of this ultimate truth within themselves and it can be expressed into the world as a sh- a fragment of this ultimate truth meaning it's not a contradiction that you have your own truth and that there is one ultimate truth. That's where that's where I find most of these arguments go wrong, you know, when y- you say to someone, "Oh, so what's the ultimate truth?" and they're like, "Well, this is my truth." And you're like, "Well, it's not true." I believe, and I think this is the Torah's idea that there's Shiva Shiva Panin the Torah. There's like it's like seventy faces. The Torah, like a, the Torah is a diamond. There are many different ways you can see the Torah, and because you have a piece of the Torah within you, you have an Hashama within you, a piece of Hashem, a Chelak alokai Mamish says the Tanya, a piece of Hashem in you. You have a piece of that truth, and it's and it's and it's your truth. So yes, that is the subjectivity, but there is an ultimate reality of the truth. So that's what the Torah is telling us with mishpatim. And you would think without Mishpatim, th- like what you have is you have circumstances where there are no real right and wrong and you have children that don't aren't properly disciplined and then unfortunately these poor children, they are not doing well in life because ch- a child needs to be disciplined. They need framework that... Love can only be filled in a vessel. There can be no love without the framework, the the square. I am a very visual thinker, so I always think of this in terms of like, if there is no judge, jug, if I don't have, if I don't build a framework for my children, framework being discipline, framework being clear right and wrong, clear yes or no, then I can't love them because all my love will just spill everywhere, won't go to them, they won't feel safe. That's why we need mishpatin because it actually allows us to live our best lives we need that that judgment that that strict right and wrong yes no do this don't do this um, there is something to be done there's something not to be done so we do need this and now i9999 is when we get to what was the thing at the end of Yisrael. so we know what mishpatim are we know why they're so important but what's the vav telling us to connect them to and this is the most beautiful idea this is every time I learn Torah I'm I'm just I'm marveling at the depth. I'm marveling at the beauty. I'm marveling at how deep and how precious and how nuanced our Torah is and how lucky we are that this is the book that we get to live our life by because this idea is so beautiful. I don't even have words for it. The very last idea in Parsha Sisro is the fact that you cannot build a Mizbeach with stairs. It must be built with a ramp. And so... We know the famous idea because it's a more tzhanuah, it's more tzniah you don't lift your foot super high so you can't see your ankles, whatever the reason is. Ultimately, no, we know deep down that tzniah is not about, yes, there are, this is so perfectly tying in, yes, there are the black and white do-don't-do that halacha gives us about tzniah, but the ultimate neshama of tzniah, the neshama behind the rules is that you have dignity and you are a person that needs to live and express your inner self not your external self and there may be mishpatim like show this don't show this this seems to be that long those are halachot that are governed explicitly by the torah pick up the book reclaiming dignity it's an incredible book which will explain it straight out like it is but ultimately we know that the the root of this idea is not just cover this because cover it the root of the idea is you are your insides you are your your eternity you are your internality you are your, more, your most glorious self cannot be defined by something physical and so when we're covering it's a daily reminder to ourself that i am not what you see i am so much more and that is the beautiful idea of sneeze but we, we got on a little bit of a tangent there but anytime sneeze comes up i can't help but discuss because i'm so passionate about the subject about how beautiful the idea of sneeze can be and non-trigger triggering but we have the idea of the ramp And that's the reason the tarot gives, right? But there's a deeper idea behind what a ramp, what's the difference between a ramp and a staircase? And if we really think about what the difference between a ramp and a staircase is, a staircase, and yes, there can be different kinds of staircases with different levels of stairs, but usually a staircase is about, you know, eight to 10 inches up and then eight to 10 10 inches straight, flat, up, and and it's very clearly leveled measurements of, to get from point A to point B. It's stairs. You take one half inch step and another half inch step and your foot goes exactly up eight inches. The stair is exactly this big. And yes, we know there's different levels of stairs, but ultimately it is a pre-described measure. Even if there's a staircase with 10 different stairs, all at different measures, each one of those stairs is a specific measure. One stair is 10 by 10, one stair is 13 by 12, one stair is 11 by 16. They're, They're specifically defined measures. When you have a ramp, there is no specific design measured. You can take however big or however small of a ramp that you can take, of a step that you can take. So you're thinking, okay, great, Reina, that's really nice. What does it have to do with the button? This is what it has to do with Mishpatim. Hashem is telling us that yes, there is a world that is built through right and wrong. Hashem created the world through Din. Barishas bara Elohim. Elohim is the word of Din, of judgment. Yodkei Vavkei is the name of rachamim of Chesed. And Hashem created the world with Din. Nature is Din. This happens like this. There are co- direct consequences. That is Din. The world was created with Mishpatim, but Hashem is really saying that it's connected because I want you to know first, I want you to know first that there is a balance, that there is a pre unique, pre measured, um, personal measure for every single person because no one will take the exact same step, no one will take the exact same size step, no one will, no one's foot will lift up the exact same amount, and so when you are. Going into these mishpatim that I'm about to tell you, what I want in the back of your mind first is that you need to be thinking according to a ramp. You must not build my mizbeach with stairs. It must be built with a ramp. You must not look at the Mishpatin that I have in this parsha with stairs. You cannot look at them with the eyes of 1 plus 1 equals 2 because although that is an ultimate essence of what they are, I want you to be looking at them through the eyes, through the lens of a ramp, which is there's gradual every single person can see it differently. And I think this is this is such a beautiful nuance if we can just appreciate, savor how special this this unique flavor of looking at the world is. It's, it's like saying, yes, one plus one equals two, but I want you to know that if a child comes to you and says one plus one equals three, I want you to say, I love you. You are the cutest thing in the world. I'm so proud of you. One plus one equals two, but you are so smart. Do you hear what I just did there? It was, yes, I kept to the mishpatim. I kept to the framework. We didn't lie. We didn't lie to the child. But we didn't just say, you're wrong. Boom. Done. Like that's staircase. That's a that's a very clearly defined. A ramp teaches the nuance of a personal relationship to the mishpatim. And that's why I think maybe the vav was added because it wasn't just enough that it would be implicit. Oh, you know, smichas parshas is a thing. And you know, maybe you'll connect to the ramp. And the fact that the next is is mishpatim. No, 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 no. This is so deeply connected, this idea of the fact that we need to look at the mishpatim we have in our world with a ramp. And I think this ties in so powerfully to the mental health generation of today's world. It's the number one struggle that people have today is mental health. Depression, anxiety, suicidality, all these horrible, terrible, terrible, difficult things that we're battling with. The battle is in our minds and in our hearts and in our souls. And the greatest battle we're ever facing is within. And it is so difficult. And I remember the very first time that I my eyes started being opened to different um, different. Shilohs being asked, like if if you really look into the mental health Shilohs of people saying, um, God forbid with eating disorders or with um, suicidality or like life-threatening things, like if I don't use my phone on Shabbos, I will want to commit suicide. Chas v'chalilah, chas v'shalom. But there are Rabbanim that say, yes, you must use your phone. And I'm not a rabbi and I'm not telling you to do anything at all. But I'm saying this is a new way to open your eyes. That Of course, we know Pukuach Nefesh, there's life and death. And this is just the nature that Torah is meant to be, you have a rav. The rav knows you. You're asking the rav the questions. And it's nuanced. There's a halacha we have, mishpatim. I feel like I'm belaboring this point, but it's so crucial to understand as Jewish people. It's so crucial. A story that's coming to my mind is the story of that the rabbets in this community tells of her father, who is a Hasidish man, a Haredi, super ultra-Orthodox man living in the middle of Meish the most ultra-Orthodox section of Israel. And he has like the whole garb of black and hat and payas and beard and long jacket and white socks and, and looks like would never look at women in his life, you know, like that whole situation. And then all of a sudden, I think they're in a supermarket. I don't remember the exact situation. A woman faints and falls to the ground, falls on the floor. This man jumps over the shopping cart, runs to catch her so her head doesn't smack on the floor and begins checking for a pulse. And that story to me It almost brings me to tears because it's showing you what the beauty of a nuanced life is. Why this is such an important idea that we have to see. It's not just mishpatim. It's the Eila mishpatim. And these are the laws. There's a connection. It's and And it's connected to the fact that you have to see the world through the ramp. There is a personal story behind every situation. Yes, this man was Haredi. And yes, he would... Never even look at woman in his normal life, but you know what there's a woman in danger her life was being her life was in danger he had medical training he jumped into action because we are commanded to save a life that is the beauty of our torah we it's nuanced it's about a ramp we must build the as to a ramp and that's ultimately how we're gonna we're gonna serve Hashem through the greatest most Epic, amazing, incredible way through serving Hashem with the Mishpatim He's given us, with the background, in the back of our minds, starting from the fact that we are going up this journey as a ramp. It's not staircase. With that, I'm ready to move on to idea number two. So, something that's very difficult when we get to the fact that we're still dealing with October 7th and we're still dealing with the pain of the hostages and sometimes it's difficult to even even wake up in the morning because it's it's not even it's difficult to think about it because if you really thought about it you wouldn't want to wake up that's what i mean here meaning it's it's very hard to balance living a normal life and deciding that i'm going to cry all day about this because it's just it's not fathomable our brains cannot fathom this and if we try to think about it it just makes us angry or makes us upset and and there's no words that can really come like just so upset like this can't be how could this be and ultimately this is a deeper amuna question of the fact that ultimately everything that does is for the good that's not what we're going to go with this today's discussion what we're going to go with today's discussion is how can we live our lives with this knowledge of difficult situations and this parsha actually gives us the key and this is such a beautiful idea Remember, as I said before, I didn't know that this is the parsha. Moshe went up for the forty days and forty nights, and as I'm reading it inside, reading in the text, I noticed something very interesting in the pasuk. I think it's pasuk Yud Bays Perak Chavdalid. It says the following, I'm going to say it in English. It says, "Then, if I'm, I got the parsha wrong. Maybe it's Yud Aleph. I don't remember if it was ten, eleven, or twelve. One of the one of those three, but it's the last perak, which I think is Chavdalid twenty-four. So it says that." the Jewish people got the Torah, Hashem gave them the Torah, Hashem gave them the luchos, right? Moshe brought down the luchos and they're made of sapphire and they're beautiful. And then the Jewish people ate and drank. You're like, what? <laughs> How can you be eating eating and drinking at this time? Like this is the most special spiritual holy time. You just got the luchos. they are these like godly sapphire blocks where you could see the letters through both sides. It just didn't even make sense. And, and you're eating and you're drinking and the irony is that within the question lies the answer, as it always does. But within the question is you're saying, what, these special spiritual lujos made of s- sapphire, and you could see through both sides the letters like floated on top, and they were so spiritual and intangible, and how could you even understand that? And then you're eating and drinking and just like acting like this is normal. And this is a beautiful idea over here. Because what makes those lujos so special It was the fact that they were spiritual, right? It was the fact that the letters were like floating on top where you could see from both directions this whole spiritual situation. Ultimately, what makes us spiritual is the physical actions we do with the intentions behind it. And the idea goes further because when the Jewish people were at Matantar, were at Harsinai, they were compared to angels. It says that they, they couldn't even die. They were at the level of angels like immortality. How is that possible? It was possible because they were at the level Where their physical body, doing the physical things that they were doing, eating and drinking, purifying themselves, being there physically, the intention behind it was connection. It was, I want to connect to this so deeply. They had the right intention. And then that is what made them as spiritual as they were at the level of angels. It wasn't that they didn't have a body anymore. They did. But they were so spiritual. Their intentions were so pure. They were so in the right reasons that every that their physical became spiritual. And so that is, I think, why it mentions they were eating and they're drinking. And this is going to help us understand how we can get through every single day, although we're at 123 days and it doesn't even feel fathomable. This is how we're going to get through it. By knowing that if those Jewish people were eating and drinking at the most spiritual time, it means that there's a secret. Behind physical actions, and the intent must have been that there's an intention that they had behind the eating and the drinking that is what made them so so spiritual and uplifted them to the level of the angels. And it was the physical actions they did through the right intentions. And this is the idea of how we can be living our daily lives. When I'm picking up my children from school, and I am so excited to see them, and I'm bursting with joy at my new five-year-old who is in your K for the first time wearing a uniform and I'm so proud of him and he's going to school by himself and it's just filling me with so much nachas. What I do then is I take that joy. I take that joy and I send it. I use my intention and I say I want this joy and I'm not going to dim the joy. I'm not going to say oh no I'm actually really miserable because of all these bad things. I'm going to say let this joy joy be the catapult for the last straw that is needed to tip the scales into the direction of our favor. Hashem, let my, my my joy right now, let this moment I'm sending it for you. I'm using my emotions like an arrow, piercing the sky, piercing the heavenly throne saying, it's not enough that I'm going to cry to you. I, I'm not going to cry to you anymore. I'm going to use my joy and tell you how much I want this. Hashem, look how good the life is that you've given us. We have a good life. We have Everything, and I want you to give what I feel to every single person. And that is such a more powerful prayer than a prayer from desperate disparity of neediness and lack. The most powerful prayers we can have is from a place of abundance, from a place of how Yaakov says in the Parsha, where he goes to Asaph, it's yeshly, I have everything. That's the power of prayer through happiness, through abundance, through joy, through eating and drinking. And that's how we can ultimately become so spiritual through our physical actions and really make the biggest difference in the world. When every single thing that you're doing in this physical world is for the intention of the spiritual. That's how we elevate ourselves to the level of malachim. That's how we elevate the world to the state that it needs to become in the state of Mashiach when ultimately we're just going to be living with Hashem in, in entire spirituality perfectly. That's what we want, and that's what we can do through our intentions. How does this look for you practically? It looks like the following. There's a moment where you are stressed out. Either you're late to something, or your child is making you late, or you can't get something done, and you really need to get it done, and it's very stressful. And you you realize, number one, you have an awareness, and you say, oh, I'm aware now I'm frustrated and stressed out. I'm going to turn this into joy. I'm going to flip the switch. I'm going to hapachu this. I'm going to say you know what? I am so happy. And you know what? You are lying. You are straight up lying to yourself because you're not. You're very upset and you're very stressed out, but you will lie and you will say, I am so happy right now. Hashem, I love you so much right now. Hashem, thank you for this challenge. Thank you for this frustration. Thank you for the fact that I that I can't have anything, and your blood will be boiling because you know you are lying to yourself and it's not true, and you feel angry. But yet, what you are doing is something powerful. What you're doing is you're flipping the switch. You are literally flipping it, and that energy will be recreated and mirrored, beamed back upwards into how Hashem will create the world and how Hashem will recreate the world into the fact that, you know what, it doesn't make any sense that these hostages are still being kept and that we're still fighting the battle. It doesn't make any sense that we're not blowing them off the map. I'm sorry if that was explicit and political. But you know what? Hashem sees, I see you being the I see you flipping. And it's so so apropos that, today, that it's Rosh Chodesh Adar. And it's the, it's the day of... But we need, it starts from below. It starts from us. It starts from us flipping the switch. It starts from us saying, you know what, Hashem? You wanted to test me here and I am angry. But you know what? I am so happy. I am blissful. I love when my kid screams at me and dumps water and flour and dirt and tomato sauce on my white skirt. I love it. Hashem, I love the fact that, you know, whatever it is that is your biggest struggle in life. I am so happy. I'm so lucky. And I was like, what is going on here? And it's vina And then he says, okay, we got it. We, we figured out the purpose of the world because this world is not the reality. It's vina It's flipped. It's completely flipped. And hopefully with our energy to be able to use our intentions correctly in flipping the switch, and flipping the the reality that it's not just we're eating and drinking when we got the holiest moment of our entire life we're holding the luchos no, no 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 flip the switch the most physical thing you could be doing is eating and drinking and yet that is ultimately the most spiritual thing and this connects because we know that the most holy mitzvah the most spiritual mitzvah in the entire world is marital intimacy which you'd think the world sees is the most bane physical act the most crass physical act that there is and, and that's how the world sees it. And vinnahapachud flips the switch. No, it's the most spiritual thing in the world. And it's because when it's done through the mishpatim, when it's done through the laws, through the right ways, but ultimately through the intentions, because your intentions can create so much within it. And our intentions can change the world and our intentions can I help save the hostages? Meaning when you're making challah, it's very nice you're making challah because it's a mishpat, it's a law that Hashem wants you to do. But if you're making challah to save those hostages, when you're kneading the dough, you're imagining the fact that you're pummeling those evil people that are keeping them hostage and you are making it for them and it is gonna take them out of captivity. That is your intention that can change the world and it's not fluff. This is. If, if there's anything I say that might be fluff. So be it. But this is not fluff because this is true. Your intentions and your prayers is the only thing that's going to change this war. Is the only thing that's going to ha- make this happen. It's not the physical reality. It's the fact that, <laughs> ironic, right? It is the physical reality, but it's your intentions behind the physical reality. It's the soldiers that are going to war. And yes, that's very physical. They're sitting there in their army. They're going to war. But they know in their heart they're fighting for the base of Megdush, They're fighting for Hashem. They're fighting for Klael Yisrael, They're fighting to be one as a people. And that is the power of the intentions. And that is what this Parsha tells us. That is the most beautiful spiritual message that this Parsha tells us. So we have run out of time. So we are going to pause here. Stay tuned for the third idea. On Mishpatim. We'll do it on a separate episode. And thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Have a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos.